Hey guys, welcome back. It's Chris Bercher. This is Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom. This is episode 83, and I'm going to call it Awareness, Attention, and Meditation. It's a lot in one title, but I don't want to just call it meditation because it's not really just about meditation. This is really kind of one of the earliest pieces to the how-to, uh, as far as the R versus should problem that we've been discussing now for 40-some episodes, right? That struggle between the person who you feel like you are and the person that you feel like you should be. Other things, uh, the us analytical sort of empathic thinkers might struggle with are things like imposter syndrome, analysis paralysis, trouble sleeping, anxiety, restlessness. You know, that's my big one. You know, I don't want to be restless. I want to be comfortable. I want to be calm. And so anyone that's looking for a little bit more peace, a little bit more calm, a little bit more um, enjoyment, uh, reflection in your life, the next series of videos, the next however many, are going to be the how-to part, things you can do, things that I've done over the last 15 years that have worked against my best wishes. You know, like I, I'm a really good sort of um, spokesperson for this type of work because I came kicking and screaming from a very analytical, show-me-the-evidence world into a world that doesn't ask, doesn't ask for evidence except that it works. I don't need, need, need to understand how. And since I've started doing more somatic work and less analytic work, you know, not, I understand the things that you do or you're supposed to do. I had to actually implement and do them before I saw any results. And, and meditation is always going to be at the top of everyone's list. In fact, probably going on 10 years ago, more than one therapist told me if there's one thing people can do to live better lives and insert whatever you need there. Lose weight, quit smoking, exercise more, you know, get along better with your relatives, whatever it is in there. Uh, meditation is going to be one of the, if not the most helpful thing you can do. But before we sort of get into meditation and what it is and really what it isn't, because if you don't meditate, if you're hesitant to believe that it works or to do it because it sounds too frou-frou or whatever, then you probably don't actually really know what it is, and it's really not that big of a deal. Um, but the but the precursors to that are awareness and attention. Let me talk about those for just a little bit. So awareness is one of those things. You know what it is, but you can't define it, right? Your ability to know things, uh, to see things, um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, one, one of the ways we talk about awareness is self-awareness. You know, are you aware of what you're doing? Do you see the way you talk to that person at the grocery store and understand that that might've been a little condescending or a little elitist or a little, I think I'm better than you. Or maybe the way that you let people talk to you suggests that you have low self-esteem. Are you aware of the things that are going on around you? I think, one way to come at this is from the other end. All of us have seen people, know people, be, are related to people in our lives that seem to lack self-awareness, either based on the way they look or their actions or the way they keep their house clean or don't or the car is all cluttery, the way they drive, the way they talk to people at work. Some people seem to not be aware of what is happening. And so the very first tenet of sort of being a human that not everybody does is to sort of be able to look at yourself acting or be aware of what you just did. 
You know, can you go through the day and say, you know, have a memory and a reflection of something that happened? Well, then you're self-aware. And sort of um, an element of awareness are our capacity to be aware. You know, are you um, observing the reality around you? And the way we do that is not just by seeing it, which is kind of what all this um, it, it seems to indicate is that we're thinking about looking at things. It's not just sight. It's all of our senses, smell, taste, touch, hearing, and sight. That's the way we can perceive the world. You know, awareness is perception. It's actively paying attention, and there's another one, to the world around you using the senses that we have. Now, there are other ways that we can perceive the world, and a big one that we'll talk about, and I think critical to this whole awareness, attention, meditation spectrum is our feeling, our emotional bodies, our somatic perceptions. Now, arguably, these are things like touch, but it's also just, you know, if you think about this, like if you, and, and apparently some people can't do this, if you sit long enough and pay attention to your heartbeat, you can feel your heartbeat in your body. You can become aware of your heart beating. What do you, is that your, are you seeing it? No. Are you smelling it? No. Hearing? Taste? No. Touch? Maybe. Do you have touch receptors in your chest? We don't actually have nervous tissue associated with our smooth muscles. So do you have a stomach ache? What? What does that mean? <laughs> You're aware of pain in your stomach where you don't even have nerve tissues to perceive that, right? So there's this whole other element to awareness that we rarely, if ever, consider or think about when we think about what awareness is. It's our ability to perceive reality, or not even reality, at the environment in which we live using our physical bodies, right? Now, there's arguably a sort of psychosomatic or like supersomatic or uh, spiritual element to awareness, but I'm not really going to get into that because that's sort of a, <laughs> a product of doing this kind of work. It's not something you necessarily take into it, or at least most of us don't. Um, and so the awareness is like the thing, right? The noun. We have this capacity to interact with the world in which we, the universe in that we live in through the conduit of our human bodies. It doesn't matter what we want to call ourselves or our soul or whatever is doing the perceiving. You know, it's just the, 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 the state of interaction with the world that we live in from whatever we are. <laughs> now, attention ultimately is about being able to direct that awareness and control where it is, or even you know, being aware of the awareness, like self-awareness is sort of like, oh, wow, I just did some, that messed up thing, whatever it was, or wow, that was actually kind of cool. It's noticing and thinking, you know, analyzing, processing where our awareness is, where our perception is, what are we sensing, you know, um, like your heartbeat, you know, that's a, a good exercise of what is going on with that. Well, I mean, more than anything, I'm just simply aware. I can almost picture, because I've seen it in models on TV and in books, my heart, you know, expanding and contracting and pumping the blood like it does. And I'm kind of aware of it happening. I know about where it is. You know, all that stuff adds up because I'm paying attention to it. 
It's not passive. It's an active focus of my awareness in a certain direction toward a certain element within this spectrum. This, For the most part, the material world, but really it's so far beyond the material world. We just, you know, baby steps. Um, and it, but, but that somatic part, that feeling part is critical. And another way that we sort of do this is when we watch movies or even, or listen to music. If you're, a, if you're, especially if you're an empathic person and you pay attention and you're sort of like, you know, uh, attuned with the way other people feel, this can become an overwhelming thing. The amount of information, you know, um, coming from the outside world or from the material world that's more uh, bombarding our sensory apparatus makes it very difficult for us to control our awareness and pay attention. And it makes it even more important for people who are in that, you know, kind of reactive to other people to make sure you practice where your awareness is using your attention. Um, so that's like the, the, the somatic feeling part is a critical. But listen, like I was going to say, listening to music and watching movies triggers that sort of part of our existence that's not really seeing, it's not really feeling or touching or smelling or hearing. It's more of a bodily sensation. And that will become, for me, a greater and greater focus because, again, if you're a intellectual analytical type person, you sort of got that part of the world figured out. And I think the secret to moving further into what it is to be a human is to release that a little bit. Trust yourself that you understand that part of the world and allow this other uh, element, and I will refer to this as the somatic side, come into play. And together, the analytic side and the somatic side are going to work together to unveil the, what remains to be seen um, in our human presence that one might call spirituality. Okay, so that attention that we use to in, intentionally place our awareness is going to be essentially what we do in meditation. But the first concept to get before that is what will, people will commonly refer to as the observer perspective. And so once you can become, once you are, many of us are self-aware, and once, once a person can become self-aware, then we can sort of learn to physically remove ourselves, step out of our body, so to speak, have that sort of out-of-body experience you read about in books or see in movies where somebody rises above the hospital bed, looks down, and sees themselves. That's sort of the, the target, right, of becoming an observer and looking at how you interact with the world. This is a powerful position that allows you to refocus what it is you think is going on, allows you to see a, from a different point of view what is going on, and then consider something besides what is happening. Maybe you're in a situation where you're feeling anxiety. If you can take an observer perspective and look at yourself in that situation, that can help you realize that the fear that you feel is not necessarily as intense as you perceive it to be. And that can greatly help you reconfigure your sort of barometer for measuring those things. Um, it can help you see, like for me, this is a huge one, when your ego is in the way. When I react to one of my kids or my wife saying something and get angry or mad or offended or whatever, I have taught myself to sort of automatically back out of my body and say, what are you doing right now, man? We've seen you do this before, right? It's almost like you have this other part, and you've heard me talk a lot about IFS, and in many ways, these are 
parts working. You know, the self can step outside and become an observer or whatever of whatever part is in the seat of consciousness going through whatever rigmarole that that part does to try to protect you or whatever it is trying to do, usually to help you out. But you can see that. And, and man, talk about a powerful technique. And what what and that's that observer perspective is one of the default benefits of doing something like meditation. And I think the first thing that I'll say as I transition into sort of what meditation is to me is all these side benefits. You know, what doesn't make sense about meditation is you think, you know, why do you do it? Well, you think you're usually driven to do it because of some reason. Well, I need to be calmer. I want to think more. I want to focus more. Whatever it is you think you want to do, you think I'll do meditation and I'll get that. Generally speaking, you might get that. That might be fine. You might become a more relaxed person, whatever. But what I've learned from meditation is it's one of those things that you do to get benefits that you're not yet aware of. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's like you have to have this huge element of faith. If you can get behind this thing, if you can let go all the preconceived notions, if you can get your ego out of the way and not be involved and just sort of say, you know, for five to 10,000 years, lots of people have said this is a good thing. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe I just ought to try it. Maybe I ought to have literally the open, openest mind as I possibly can, and then just sort of trust that something's going to happen. That's more of what is going on than any kind of A plus B equals C or A leads to B or whatever kind of thing. You know, you don't spend two weeks meditating and then sleep better. Maybe you do, but you don't go into it with that kind of a goal. You go into it with this more of a trust and faith um, with you know two concepts I've done episodes about uh, that you're going to get somewhere new or that your mind is going to be open or like you're going to be able, more able to take this observer perspective and be able to see things from a different point of view, which is going to lead to this and a different kind of awareness and it's going to help you enhance this. In short, what meditation has helped me do and I'll talk about this in the next episode about mindfulness and sort of mindset, is reset my default. You know, one of the things I complained a lot about cognitive behavioral therapy is that you learn all this stuff analytically and how it works. You learn that you catastrophize things and you kind of assume the worst case scenario, and that's a habit that you do. And once you become aware of that, it's supposed to be easier to change. You... Um, um, you, you learn that you might have black and white thinking that you only see one of two outcomes, a very good outcome and a very bad outcome for any situation. And all you have to do is learn that there are lots of outcomes in the middle and that will change. The part about CBD that didn't work for me is nothing was changing. I understood all of that stuff intellectually. I got it. I get it. I get that this is what happens and this is what people do and this is what I'm doing and this is the explanation behind that. I understand it, but I couldn't change it. Meditation is a way of bringing that knowledge from your brain into your body, if you want to think about it like that. Um, and I can't tell you how or why, but that's another one of those uh, intended but unknown sort of side effects of it. And so all meditation really is, is a prescribed method. And there's thousands of different ways to meditate, right? All these different ways to sort of sit down and direct your attention purposefully direct your awareness purposefully away from what Don Miguel Ruiz in the Tote is called the mitote, the tonal, the, the busy, distracted world around you of mostly BS, but in also including important problems. Like maybe you have cancer. Well, this is, you know, something to direct your attention away from sort of ruminating about how terrible that is. Um, it's, an, it's an intended directional practice 
for awareness. And practice is a key point here because I always thought it was hilarious that doctors and lawyers practiced. And I'm just like, you know, aren't you good at it by now? I don't want somebody to practice on brain surgery on me. I want them to know what they're doing. (laughs) But if you think about it, they're always honing their skill set by doing. And that's what they call practice. And that's the same thing we're doing in meditation. You're sitting down and practicing regulating an intended exercise for your awareness. Not your brain, not your body. You're not exercising. You're not trying to run faster. You're not trying to think better. You're not trying to memorize better. You're trying to meld what it is, the the human experience in the universe, as one. And just sitting with that in hopes that that muscle, if you will, becomes stronger, just like anything else you would practice doing. And that's it. And generally, it is associated with reduced distractions because, again, you're trying to clear the mud out of the way because at any given time, any given moment, we're having thousands of thoughts based on millions of stimuli that are coming into all these senses. You know, it's the curse and the blessing of being human. This brain will process information at such an amazing level that we really can't handle all of it. We can't, you know, it's kind of like having an internet in our head. There's billions and billions of pieces of information, but we don't, we lack the capacity to do anything with that. And so what meditation does is kind of intend, intent, intendedly, intentionally slowing all of that noise down and just trying to, you know, get it down to the basics. Just, just what? The breath, right? For me, that's the big one. For me, and, and I'll tell you briefly, this is, but I didn't expect to go this far just on this anyway, but since I'm going to cover this in a couple more episodes, I'll leave you with this snippet of sort of a couple of things that I do. Of course, I'll leave you with a snippet of just a couple of things that I do. But first of all, I started off with an app uh, called Headspace, and I subscribed to that app for a year. I don't know if it was 50 bucks or 100 bucks or something like that. And I went through guided meditations, and that got me in the habit. And then I got out of the habit, and I decided I wanted to get back into it. I've done it pretty much on my own, and this is what I've done. Following James Clear's Atomic Habits, I started wanting to do it for two minutes a day for maybe four or five days a week. And I did that for a month's. And I thought that was enough. And then I went, maybe I'll do it for five minutes. Maybe I'll try to do it during the weekdays. And now I sort of, as many times as I can remember during the week, and it honestly is probably only four or five, I do it for 15 to 20 minutes. And I just, I don't even set a timer or anything. And, what, and generally what I do is in between dropping my daughter off at daycare when I do that, or making some, going to the grocery store, getting gas in my car, if I have a moment in my car alone, which is pretty rare, um, I will pull over park and put on my sunglasses. Sometimes I leave the car running so that the fan's on and I kind of dull out the noise and I sit there and be quiet for 15 to 20 minutes. The main thing that's helped me is focusing on my breath. And that's, you've heard that, you know that. And there's lots of different ways to do that. You can count. One of the ways that I'll do it when I'm trying to meditate at night, when I want to fall asleep, if I wake up in the middle of the night, I use meditation now to fall asleep within minutes I'll start at 100 and count my breaths and count backwards from 100 down. And generally, you know, I can't make it to zero (laughs) because something happens. I never make it that far, even over the course of 15 or 20 minutes, and that's okay. There's no right or wrong. There's no goal. There's no um, uh, beating yourself up for doing it poorly. It's just a matter of practice, right? Um, 
And I'll, maybe I'll have to do a whole episode on, on exactly what I do. But you can. One of the things I learned from Mandy Napier, who was my second curiosity interview, was to imagine a sine wave in your head, and you're a little ball, and your breath is sort of going up the sine wave on your in breath, like resting at the top, and then exhale. That can be pretty helpful. And it's what's really funny is you'll try to chase it, right? You'll try to push that ball up and down the sine wave faster than your breath. And it's really hard to keep those things in balance. Um, a big one that I do, because I'm a biologist, you know, I love the way respiration works. And if you don't know, I'll explain it briefly. But you have, you know, basically your body cavity inside your body is comprised of two compartments. One, uh, and they're divided by your diaphragm. And in the, the top one, you got your lungs and your esophagus and your your pharynx and your larynx and your heart. And then in the cavity below that, you, which is sealed off from each other, you've got your, your intestines and your stomach and all your bowels, right? And um, it's like, uh, if you, you'll understand this if you've ever known somebody who's punctured a lung, you lose the ability to inflate your lungs because there's a hole in your thoracic cavity. So imagine that as a sealed balloon um, that your diaphragm can change the uh, volume of. So when your diaphragm pulls down, your thoracic cavity expands. Seems kind of backwards. And then when you relax your diaphragm, it pushes back up. And this basically drives your breathing. I used to ask my students, how do you breathe? And before I understood this, I thought it was something to do with your nose. Like somehow you, you know, initiated the in-breath with your face and you sort of drew the oxygen air in and then blew it out. But no, no, no. What happens is it's all driven down from down here. Your diaphragm expands, pulling downward. That opens and expands the space inside your thoracic cavity, which creates a vacuum, and that pulls air in through the hole in your face that goes straight into your thoracic cavity. There's this hole, you know, you get through your mouth or through your nose, and then when you relax your diaphragm, your lungs deflate and press back out. And so I meditate by imagining my, sort of focusing my awareness and attention on my diaphragm, expanding downward, and relaxing. And I can do that for days. <laughs> I just find peace in that whole system. And then sometimes I'll focus on a different element. My lungs actually expanding, the alveoli sort of meeting the blood vessels in that whole system and focus on that, which di distracts my brain from rambling, right? And so the other element of, of meditation that I got from Headspace and, and the sort of traditional um, Vipassana, um, one of the many different Buddhist ways of meditating is just to um, for sort of forgive yourself for thoughts. And so the idea is that you focus on something simple like counting downward or the breath and just not, and try not to think about much else. But what will happen is all your day-to-day -day sort of human sensory apparatus, the monkey mind, will tr continue to operate. You're like, oh, I'm breathing. Oh, that's cool. That's pretty neat. That feels good. Am I doing it right? Is something wrong with me? Why don't I ever do anything right? And then you just got to catch yourself. Now, you could do that for 20 minutes and not even be aware of it, right? But what you're trying to do is keep your awareness in a high state, using your intent to pay attention. And when you notice yourself doing that, you just go, oh, you're thinking. All you have to do is go back to your breath. No big deal. Don't even, don't even forgive yourself. It just becomes automatic. You don't beat yourself up because you didn't do it right. You didn't fail, 
that's what it is. You, if you meditated for eight hours, seven hours and 59 minutes of it might be going, stop, 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 stop. But you don't go, stop, you idiot, da, 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 da. You just go, oh, stop. That's And, and, and we'll, some of the practitioners will even talk about how they appreciate the opportunities to catch themselves because that's a reminder that they're flawed human beings that are going to do this. And it becomes comical. You're just like, wow, I can't believe I'm doing that. And then sometimes, you know, you have these creative, spontaneous thoughts and you let yourself go with it. Sometimes you you start to feel a, maybe a loving kindness for yourself and you go, you know what? It's okay that you messed up in meditation. You're trying your best. And maybe you start, you know, you're on this cool, good vibe and you go with it. And you can meditate on loving kindness for yourself just by thinking, I'm okay. Not like developing this big, giant, wordy, complex story that involves all this graphics and just, you know lighting and changes of scenery you know it's not it's simple it's focusing on these on, on as few elements as possible and that's really what comprises all the thousands of different types of meditation is sort of what's your specific goal but for me doing things by like just spending 15 minutes trying to remind myself to focus on my breath and and dig out on how cool it is that my diaphragm moves up and down without me having to do anything and really reaching a state where I'm not really thinking about all that much of other stuff. And better yet, letting go of things that the world tries to make me attach myself to. The world tries to manipulate my attention and I resist that for 20 minutes. That's a huge win for the day. And by doing this, over time, little bits here and there, trying to build it into a habit and continuing and developing a healthy practice, it starts to trickle down into the rest of your life. And that's the goal. And that's going to lead us in to mindfulness and mindset uh, and sort of reaching a different perspective on the world that has a tremendously beneficial result. And that's why we do it, because it makes everything easier. So two big real benefits. One, it gets us out of our analytical mind. It at least opens us up to there being other ways for humans to perceive the world that we live in that are infinitely as cool, if not cooler, than our amazing thinking mind. Science, if you will. The unscience, the part of existence. And then two, helping us reach a state where we are... um, more able to regulate our emotions and where we direct our energy in our day-to-day lives. And and then rather than directing energy about ruminating, about terrible things, about anxiety for the future and depression and sad thoughts and bad thoughts, we can, you know, direct our awareness, intention, intent, and perception away from those things and make room for the world being an okay place to live in. That's a lot. So next couple episodes, expect more of the same thing. We'll talk more about techniques, talk more about doing this in our day-to-day lives outside sort of the cushion. Uh, And I can't wait. And I hope you're as excited as I am. Uh, I'm Chris Bercher. This is Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom. This has been episode 83, Awareness, Attention, and Meditation. See you guys next week. Thanks. Take it easy.